Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you've done Good evening, good evening, good evening everyone This is Dr. Nancy and I'm your host tonight You are listening to scan number 3363 And tonight we'll be talking about some resources, Um, not only resources, um, we do have uh, a few people who have joined us on the panel, and if they would like to share some of their stories and some of the resources that have helped them along the way, uh, that will be great. So again, uh, we're on scan number 3363, I'm your host tonight, Dr. Nancy. And it's definitely a pleasure to be here to serve our community tonight. And I thank those who are joining us tonight who are walking along this healing and recovery journey with me, with us. Thank you for joining us. So I'd like to first start by explaining what NASCA stands for. So NASCA is spelled N-A-A-S-C-A. And it stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Nancy. And uh, again, we're on scan number 3363. If you'd like to join the panel tonight, number, which is 646-595-2118. Again, our guest number is 646-595-2118. We would love to hear from you. I will now read our NASCA mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. You know, one of the things that I do like about NASCA is there we have such a diverse group of survivors who have 
come on the show to share their testimony. And, you know, there's not one way of healing. Everybody has their own way of healing. But we share our healing with others. And, you know, definitely um, it's just such a blessing to, to be able to do that, to be able to come together and be able to pour into others and, you know, and be poured back into. Because we also, as we're helping, we're also helping ourselves as we're helping others. At least I, I get that sense for myself. So um, I'm going to open up the website. I was looking at some resources. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit about some of the resources, and I'm going to open up the mics to see if anyone would like to share, uh, you know, what you feel led to share. Feel free to do that tonight. We have an open panel, so we're not just being stuck on one particular topic. We're open to discussing, okay? So right now, uh you know, I'm on a page on NASCA. It's called Resources, okay? And it's Prevention and Intervention Resources of Various Types. Because there's not just one type of resources, uh, one type of resource to help everyone. There's just a lot of different types. So the one that um, is under NASCA is Prevention, called Prevention is an Adult Activity. Okay, uh, so you'll find that on the website. Okay, so here it says, children are born as blank slates, completely innocent, vulnerable, and malleable. They have no internal manual for growing up. So teaching them prevention, giving them age-appropriate information about abuse issues is an adult activity, an adult responsibility. Okay. We're impacted as kids, imprinted by the human interactions they experience as youngsters, starting at birth. That's when the very foundation of the rest of our lives is formed. As youth, we accept our lives as normal, at least until we're able to compare our upbringing with what we see in others. We simply know no difference. Okay? So here you'll find, again, just some uh, resources, and uh, they have a link here, teach prevention to their children. So, you know, if you don't know how to talk to your child about prevention, here we have some information that's starting as uh, young as toddlers, uh, toddlers until their youth age. So it will give you just some, some tips on how to open up the conversation with the younger kids and how to open up the conversation with the kids when they're a little bit older, okay? So here they also have um, NASCA believes that all schools should be doing this uh, too, from kindergarten through 12th grade. And when you click that link, you'll be also able to see how you can share the information at the schools. So NASCA also has another section here that says uh, recommended. This is a recommended program, and it's called My Body is My Body. Okay, It's a musical child abuse prevention program. And they even operate in many different languages. So that's wonderful because a lot of times they may have a resource just in English or just in Spanish or just in, you know, um, Chinese or just in uh, whatever other, you know, languages, Creole. And we need to make sure that we get this information universally across, across uh, the globe. 
So um, that program, again, is called My Body Is My Body. So feel free to uh, look at them up. And the logo says, My Body Is My Body, Preventing Child Abuse. We have another one here from the Mayo Clinic. And it's uh, a link that says, if you see something, please do uh, please do something to prevent child abuse. So, you know, a lot of times people will turn a blind eye to abuse. It's really hard to see abuse. And so sometimes people think that if they turn a blind eye, it will just magically go away. Or some people don't want to get involved. They don't want to be called to be a witness and then have to be pulled into a police report or court or anything like that. So some people will just pretend that the abuse is not happening. Um, before I go any further, because there's a lot of resources here, um, and for the sake of having some wonderful guests with me on the panel, I'm going to open up the mics and allow uh, anyone who would like to say something to, to join in. Now, if you have a loud background, please mute yourselves now because I'm going to unmute everybody's mic. And if you feel led to say something or to share, whether it's a resource or something that you do for your own healing and recovery, or if you want to just kind of share some of your story, we have time. Please do. So I'm going to unmute the mics, and if you just uh, mute yourself, if your background is loud, please. I hear some noise. Hey. If you're not speaking, please mute. Hi. Good day, Nancy. Good day, Nancy. It's Hi. Bob. Hi, Bob. How are um, you? Well, you caught me. I'm right in the middle of Cyclone Kirillie. It's... um. Yeah, it's raining cats and dogs, so if I go off the air, it's oh. probably because oh. I've been blown away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but We're glad to have what you. I, what I would like. Yes, yeah. Um, it's been a while, and I've, I've missed calling in, but, um, yeah, what my prompted response from what you shared so far is um, the most powerful work I've ever done was healing the wounds of childhood. And the resource for me there, and this is in the, the early 90s, was a guy called John Bradshaw and his work on the inner child and healing the shame that binds you. He's, he's now since uh, uh, passed on, God bless his soul, but all his works are still available, and most of them are for free on YouTube, his presentations, and his book, uh, Homecoming, was absolutely uh, yeah, it saved my life. Um, and the other thing I'd, I'd like to say is, because we're all sovereign, unique, and equal, everybody's on their own hero's journey, and everybody has to find out what works for them, right? But uh, looking at Western society, um, it's pretty fair to say that most of us have had a similar upbringing, a similar um, amount of programming from the day we were born and so I believe now and this is the motto for the support group I run I believe now that simply by sharing our stories we help to heal each other for everyone holds a piece of the puzzle and it's it's that simple you know um, the answers aren't in books I, you know, I found my own answers within me, my own solutions, by just going in and listening to my heart and obeying my body. 
and it's that simple you know <laughs> I'm I notice if ever my life gets complicated it's because I've let my mind back into the driving seat <laughs> that was good yeah but it's a, yeah yeah so like in my mind's eye I just reach in grab my mind by the scruff of their neck throw it in the trunk and put my heart back in the driving seat and my life's beautiful again and I where I am now I have made a complete recovery from my uh, childhood trauma but also um, a, a 25 year sentence of depression a total recovery and I uh, I wasted 20 years trying to follow the Western medical model, you know, to get out of it. Um, and knowing what I know now, I could have made that recovery in five years or less. Yeah. And that's the story that I tell through my books, The Gift of Depression, and share on my presentations, you know. It's, um, yeah. I am the only expert on my life, and I believe that is true of everyone. You know? The way forward is just to listen to your own heart. And who is it that said, above all, be true to thine own self? I think it was Shakespeare. That's spot on, you know. Be true to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for letting me. I could go on for ages, but I'll, I'll shut up and um, I'll mute my mic at this end and chime in whenever I feel it's appropriate, if that's okay with you, Nancy. Yes, that's great. Thank you. And so you said be true to yourself, and you said that that was from Shakespeare. I don't know if you can hear me, Bob, but I was asking about that last quote that you gave, be true to yourself, and I believe you said it was by Shakespeare. And if it was not, please correct me. All right, so thank you for sharing that. And and I agree. We are, you know, the experts of ourselves. A lot of times when people are trying to walk in their recovery, the answers were inside of you all along because you know yourself best. You know what works best for yourself. So the same way that we're so quick to give others advice and help others, um, you know, we have to be able to do that for ourselves, pour into ourselves. And so we are able to do that in our healing and recovery journey. Um, and we are, again, let me uh, put you back in there just in case you want to say something. But, um, you know, we are the experts in ourselves. So would that be true to yourself, a quote from Shakespeare? Yeah, as far as I know, yeah, my long-term memory is pretty good. It's my short-term memory that I have a problem with. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, from my readings of Shakespeare, um, yeah, it's one of his. Okay, perfect. So right here, um, if anybody else would like to share, I know it's a little bit early. You can feel free to unmute your mic. And uh, if you'd like to share any resources that you know of or any tools that have helped you along your healing, recovery journey, please share. Okay. Well, if no one else is going to jump in. Yeah. I'll just share, sorry, I'll just share one amazing realization that's transformed my life. 
and that is that my body is so much smarter than me. My body always knows what it needs, and it's always sending me messages. And all I have to do is listen to my body and obey. It's like all those moments of terror that I experienced as a child, they became like body memories. So I was carrying that negative energy around within my body for years and years and years and years until I was able to turn off my mind and then just let my body do what it needed to do to discharge those old wounds. And the classic example I'll use is in November 1984, at 3am in the morning, I woke up having a full-blown panic attack. My body was just thrashing around, thrashing around. And it's like, God, what's going on? You know, I don't like this. And my wife wasn't too pleased with it. <laughs> but looking back, I now realize that those body movements was just my body telling me, Bob, wake up. Stop living your programming. Go within and find out who you are and find your truth and live it. So that whole thing about anxiety attacks I trace back to my childhood. I was always anxious as a child because I didn't know when I was going to get hit again. So by healing the wounds of my childhood, I have no more anxiety in my life. I have no more panic attacks in my life. For me, all the damage is done in the first seven years. And I live my life under two principles. The KISS principle, keep it simple, sovereign. And that's, I changed it because the words I choose to use create my reality. So I am sovereign. And the other one is the SU principle, all are sovereign, unique and equal. And and both of those principles reside under the umbrella of integrity, you know, because without personal integrity, none of the magic that I experienced in my life could have ever have happened. For if I can lie to myself, I can lie to anyone. So it's all about being true to thine own self. And now my life is simple. Uh, there's only one law, do no harm. And I've only got one right. And that is the right of self-determination. And now I am content with me. And because I'm content with me, I have no need to compete with anyone. I am not part of the human race. I am part of the human species because I do not race against anyone. <laughs> oh, coffee, anyone? <laughs> always, always. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, for sharing your experience. I think we can always learn something new every single day. And I'm sure someone is listening today and you are able to really shine a light. You know, people are really going through, people are going through hell. You know, times are really hard. And uh, people have been actually just coming forward and, and talking about how much the abuse, the, the abuse in the past has impacted them. I like the fact that you keep it light and you're able to laugh, you know. 
Um, because laughter is good for the soul. It really is. So we admire you and we love uh, just watching you walk in your recovery. I think that's really important. I want to share well, a couple know, more resources. Yeah. Uh-huh, go ahead. Do you want to know what, you, what gives me hope? Why I am so um, um, up there and vibrant? And I'm dealing with lots of medical issues at the moment, which I'm going to, but um, for me, the evolution of consciousness is exponential. And we have just turned the corner. And the Mayans predicted this. We, we have entered the age of integrity and we're leaving the age of power. So wherever I look around the world, I see more and more that Uh, integrity is eclipsing power and more and more people are standing up and finding their own truth and beginning to say no to the corrupt establishment and society that um, we've been victim of for far too long so we are entering a golden age and because the evolution of consciousness is exponential hang on tight for a wild ride and our ascension as human beings is assured you know, every day gets closer to paradise, to to heaven on earth. <laughs> that's what makes that's that's what makes me so glad to be alive at this moment to witness this um, this rebirth of human values. Yeah, I'll shut up now. <laughs> mm. No, that was good. Thank you. Yep, that was good. And there you go, you know, that that was, you know, that's important. You have to have hope. That was the magic key word. You have to have hope. You have to have hope. And as long as you have hope, you have healing. I want to share a couple more resources. Um, but before I do that, um, and again, sometimes we have people who call in, and they just want to listen in, and they don't really want to talk. They're not ready to talk or some people call in and they're at work or, you know, whatever is going on. So I just want to open up the opportunity and invite you to share if you're listening and you would you have a comment or if you have a question, feel free to to share. The mics are open. I'm going to go over a couple of resources and then again, Bob, if you'd like to share since, you know, you are um, – you have a lot to share. Please join me after um, I share a couple more resources, then we'll break again for more resources in between. Um, I had four people on the line now. I have three, so somebody's call dropped. But okay, so let me go back in here. So now we have Maryville University, and they have a program looks like called Protecting Child Welfare and Preventing Abuse, a guide for social workers and educational professionals. Children and and adolescents rely on their parents, caretakers, and other trusted adults to ensure they are safe, happy, and supported. They are among the most vulnerable members of society, and that leaves them open to mistreatment by the people who are supposed to care for them. Child abuse is a monumental issue that affects millions of people throughout the country. 
According to the 2017 Child Maltreatment Report, nearly 700,000 children are abused and almost 2,000 die as a result of abuse in the United States each year. That's a big number, y'all. 700,000 children are abused and almost 2,000 die as a result of abuse in the United States each year. So Maryville University Online wants to help educators and social workers continue to understand what child abuse is, how it's defined federally and state by state, and how to recognize signs of an abused child. The guide goes through each of those points as well as defining specific types of abuse and maltreatment and list some. All right, so that's a good resource. I think it is really important to to get educated on some of the signs, you know, because you might be a, a key point of contact for a child. They might see you at a grocery store or at your job, and they may be with the abuser, and they may, you know, they're they're starting to teach certain hand gestures that mean emergency. I need help now. Call police. So now they're teaching like a hand gesture that if you're driving by and the kid does that hand gesture, you are supposed to at least get, try to get the license plate or just call the police. Um, and so that's, uh, again, uh, Maryville University. They have some resources. So if you're interested in educating yourself on this step, please do contact them. I'm going to share another one, and then I'll open up the mic. All right, so how to protect child abuse. The Definition Guide. This is by Christian Demon, okay? And it says here, preventing child abuse can be difficult, especially since we often feel helpless against widespread abuse. So we created this one-step guide to promote child abuse prevention by compiling a complete list of resources as an information gateway. We have included educate adults around children information about the different causes and forms of abuse and how to respond when you suspect child maltreatment. And then they go on to say, Christian Demon, I was abused as a child but was able to rise above my troubles past to become a functioning adult. Unfortunately, it isn't always easy to overcome a painful childhood. And as a result of their abuse, many children go into insecure, dysfunctional adults. As a father of two children, I wanted to make sure to end the cycle of abuse. I know the importance of teaching my children how to protect themselves by educating them on what is okay and what is not okay. There are no easy answers, but hopefully this guide can help you spot child abuse such as the shaken baby syndrome or spot children that have been neglected, provide information about preventing prevention programs, and learn the steps to report the abuse to child welfare services. So the one thing that I like about today is that we have access to resources. You know, back in the days, we didn't have access to resources. These conversations were hush-hush. We weren't allowed to talk about it. We weren't allowed to ask about it. And if we did try to tell somebody, many times swept under the rug, many times. This morning I, I got caught up going down a rabbit hole, uh, seeing some of the young 
child stars, some of them sharing their story of abuse and within family members. And it was swept under the rug at, back in the days. It was not something you should talk about, especially when the boys talk about being abused. It was even more swept under the rug. It, it, they put a shame on them and started calling them gay and making them feel ashamed for their abuse, and then they stopped talking, which is horrible. You know, I think uh, child abuse for any gender is horrible, period, for any anybody, any animal, anybody. doesn't matter. Any type of abuse is not right. Uh, but specifically this morning, what I was looking at was uh, the impact of abuse on some of these young boys and um, and how they're shunned and shamed for speaking up. Uh, so I'm just grateful that today we're opening up, you know, uh, these platforms and not only opening up these platforms, but we're becoming more aware and more comfortable talking about it. We, if you're, you are the victim, it's not your fault. You should not be ashamed to talk about it. You're trying to raise awareness to save this generation. Do not walk in shame. It's not your fault. It wasn't your fault, and you don't need to be ashamed. You shouldn't be hiding your face. So I want to open up the mic. If anybody has a comment or a question, please join us. Yeah, one thing that springs to mind, Nancy, is um, childhood abuse. Um, For me, the most common form of childhood abuse is abandonment and now I can remember when I was about three and a half I, um, I lost mum in the in the supermarket and I was um, terrified but to explain what I mean about the most common form of abuse is abandonment um, my parents um, were not there for me emotionally and in the case of my my dad, he was like just hardly ever there because he was he was working all the time. So I never got to see him or spend any time with him. And so we are living in a society now that has changed from the feudal times when you know mum and dad went out to the fields, but they took the baby with them. You know, the, so the, the the parents and the child were always together. And if they weren't there, there were aunts and uncles and that. And we now live in a society where both parents have to work so hard that they hand over their their kids to the state to raise. You know, uh, I, I started school at five, but nowadays you've got preschool and kindy and 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 you know it's like there is less spiritual connection with the parents because of the society we're, we're currently supporting. And I agree. I agree my childhood was not my fault. It wasn't my fault. I was powerless. But that was as a child. But as an adult, I do have the power to go back and I couldn't change my past. But I, um, I had the feeling that I could go back and heal it. And so I did. So... Uh, Abandonment is a common form of abuse. I reckon just about every child in Western society has that wound in their soul. Okay, I'll shut up now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
No, that was good. Wow. That that definitely was good, you know. That definitely is a wound, uh, for sure. Um, and thank you for sharing, you know. I, I'd love to hear your perspective, um, especially now, tonight, as I uh, brought up the topic of the boys and how they're ashamed for because they're males and they should be ashamed or now they're titled as being gay because they were raped. Um, the video that I was watching today was um, about a boy band uh, called um, B2K and um, allegedly with a lot of uh, witnesses and a lot of a lot of um, allegations, but they've never taken the person to court. Um, you know, one of the cousins who was the manager was allegedly um, sexually abusing um, some of the members, you know. And, um, you know, as one of them grew up, well, two of them that that grew up really dealt with it, really had a hard time and started really dealing with addiction. Um, And, you know, one of them tried to take his life, he tried to take his own life and later on died, um, natural causes, they say. Um, by by an accident, by an accident that he was involved in. So it was it was that. Um, but again, you know, his, the depression, the 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 sadness, the dealing with the internal um, the internal and external abuse. Uh, there was a recording of him before he passed away with another victim, sharing how they were raped and you know um, uh, they were sodomized and. Um, they were raped and they were bleeding after being raped uh, and abused. You know, they were young. They were 11 or 12 years old by a grown man. And that was so devastating, you know, as a parent or as a human being listening to that. And then when they try to talk about it, they were labeled as gay when they were older talking about it because they were supposed to be hard, strong men. So I really want to hear, you know, your take on that, being a male um, maybe if you were not shamed, have you witnessed other people be shamed or have other men come to you and said, I was shamed because I spoke up, boss? Well, one thing I've noticed with my like my own journey and uh, the groups I've been involved with and, and the groups that I've facilitated with of both genders, this is going back to the early 90s, is that there for me there is a correlation between, okay, let's take a um, an infant girl, a young girl. Now, if she is uh, a primary abuser. Oh, I cannot hear you, Bob, so I don't know if you're in a, a rough spot or if you're muted. Well, I don't know if you need to hang up and come back in. Bob? Okay. So if you hear me, anybody hear me, can you guys uh, just say hello? I just want to make sure it's not me because I don't hear Bob. Paula, do you hear me? Phil? I can hear you. 
Okay, so thank you, thank you. So his call dropped, he'll call back. I just saw uh, his call drop. And he said it was raining over there, um, you know. So, um, yeah, so we just left off. We're, uh, I, I really was just sharing that last night, <clears throat> you know, well, this morning, early this morning at like 4 a.m., I ended up going on YouTube and going down a rabbit hole and watching a few videos about this group called B2K, and um, some of the members of the group shared that they were sexually abused by their manager. Um, And they were also sexually, they they were raped, you know, as well. And um, they described some of the pain, some of the things that the person made them do uh, on a consistent basis. They described how they started to feel about themselves, the shame that came with it, um, they were disgusted with themselves. They were disgusted with him after a while, and they felt stuck. They didn't know how they were going to come out of a cycle of abuse because you get stuck in a cycle of abuse. First, you might do it. Then uh, when you do it again, then you kind of feel like, well, now I just have to keep doing it, and then you kind of feel guilty if you say something because you feel guilty that you participated in it. Um, And so it's a lot that goes on in the mind of a survivor because of that cycle of abuse. Um, And then the grooming that that goes on, the grooming that takes place, um, you know, through through the process, that type of grooming. Um, So Bob was getting ready to share just from his personal experience about, um, you know, from being around other recovery, other men that are in their recovery journey, uh, and he's in Australia, I believe, and so his phone just cut off. So hopefully, he and, and it's raining where he is. He said the weather was really bad. So hopefully, he gets his signal back and gets back on. Um, in the meantime, if you know, we're going to go over some resources. And if anyone has a comment or a question or a thought on that topic, why do men feel more? Why do men get shamed more than you know? than women or than anybody. Why do men really, I'm not even saying more than women or more than, why do men get shamed for speaking up? You know, that's something that, um, okay, uh, that I would like to ask. I don't know. um, Philip. I don't know if you feel like speaking at all. I know Paula's on. She's at work. She messaged me saying, you know, she's, you know, there's a lot of noise in her area. So she's just going to listen for now. I don't know if you want to make a comment about that topic or if you just want to listen as well, you know, um, whatever feels comfortable for you. I'm enjoying this here right now with Nancy. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so again, you know, I I really want to um, get a better understanding. I'm probably going to have, to bring someone in who kind of specializes in that area um, and definitely reach out. I have a couple of people in mind. I um, really address that because I, I think it's just it's, it's horrible that people have to feel guilty about something that's not their fault. You know, I think it's important to be able to seek help and it's important to be able to speak your truth because you're trying to stop that person from doing it to other people. Uh, And so 
hopefully uh, we'll, we'll be able to dig deeper into that topic. For right now, I'm going to just remind you all we are on scan number 3363, and the number to call is 646-595-2118. You can join us tonight. You can join us any day, really. I mean, we're on uh, during the week. You can definitely join and share, share your view. Or if you'd like to become a guest and share your story, definitely reach out and we will work that out and get you on. All right. So in the meantime, I was getting ready to share more resources, okay? I think that, and and these resources are on the NASCA website. So um, you can go up to the website and click on the resources. Click on the resources, and you'll see a lot of different resources. Now, resources, they come in many different forms. We have some books. We have some programs on here listed. We have some quotes. Uh, you know, there's some people sharing some of their some of their um, the tools that help them. And then we have um, um, some activities that can help. So, you know, there are many, many, many different ways to help stop child abuse. We don't have to just stick to one, okay? So I'm going to go back in and start looking at the resource. And the one that I was looking at right here is Protecting Your child, protecting your Children, Advice from Child Molesters. Now, you read that and you're like, huh? Interesting. Advice from Child Molesters. So developed and written by child molesters in treatment at the Center of Behavioral Intervention in Oregon. Now, you would say, why would you want to get advice from a child molester? But, you know, sometimes you need to get in the mind of uh, these abusers to understand the process of thinking and better know how to protect yourself. So if you know that uh, there's high crime in a certain area, whether that is, uh, let's say, a lot of break-ins, and then you're speaking to a person who's a thief who breaks into vehicles, and they'll say, okay, make sure that you don't leave this, 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 or make sure you do this, 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 this. You get to understand how to better protect yourself. So it's not a bad idea to get in the mind of the abusers to find out how to better protect yourself, okay, even though it sounds weird. Okay, so here on the website it says, please also see, and it says 10 reasons parents don't discuss child sexual abuse. So, you know, it gives 10 reasons, um, and I'm going to go over the 10 reasons why our parents or people may not feel comfortable discussing child abuse, okay? Um, number one, children are seldom victims of sexual abuse. So, actually, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control in the United States, one in four girls and one in six boys are sexually abused by the time they are 18, Consider those numbers for a moment. They are shocking and devastating. Those figures alone should motivate parents' strategies, okay? Just those numbers alone. So let's go now to number two. The kind of thing, this kind of thing doesn't happen where we live. So here it says, actually, child sexual abuse has no socioeconomic boundaries. It doesn't care if you're black or white, rich or poor, or what religion you practice. It can creep in 
when you least expect it. Okay, number three, we don't let our children go near strangers. So because you don't let your children go near strangers, you may think that you don't need to talk about it, right? Uh, And guess what? You may feel like you don't need to protect them from anything because they're only around family. It says here, actually 93% of all child sexual abuse occurs at the hands of someone known to the child and trusted by the parents. That's a hard fact. That actually that's a that's a rough fact because it's normally someone you know. Here it says, even if a child is never around strangers, he or she could be a vic- could be victimized by a neighbor, a coach, a religious official, or a family member. Parents who teach only stranger danger are doing a dis- disservice to their child. Why? Because stranger danger is outdated, okay? I, I think that you should probably look at the stranger danger. But, you know, the stranger danger, the person looks like creepy and the person is like somebody you don't know. But in reality, most of the cases, it says right here, 93% of all child abuse occurs at the hands of someone known to the child and trusted by the parent. So now we have here number four, my child is not old enough for this discussion. I understand. I felt like that. I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to, like, put those things in their mind, let them be a child. I felt like that, but I knew that it was important to because, you know, I was five. I mean, it could happen to anybody at any time, children, right? So here it says, actually, the appropriate age to begin the discussion about child sexual abuse prevention is when a child is three years old. I, whoa, three years old, you hear that? The conversation can start as simple as, did you know that the parts of your body covered by a bathing suit are private and are for no one else to see or touch? There you go. That's a good way to just open up the conversation because we don't know how to open up that weird conversation. It's just an awkward conversation. It could be a very difficult conversation. But that's a good way to just start the conversation. Continue the conversation by explaining to the child that he should tell mommy, okay, daddy or a teacher if someone touches him or her on those private parts. Very important that you teach them to tell, okay? Because the first thing that these manipulators do, excuse me, they tell the kids, don't tell. It's our secret. It's our secret. Don't tell nobody. It's a secret. That's the first thing they do. So it says here, be sure to include any necessary exceptions for potty training, hygiene, and doctor's visits, Okay. Uh, number five, I don't want to scare my child. Some people will be like, I don't want to scare my child. And then it says here, actually, when handled properly, children find the message empowering and are not frightened at all. Parents do not refrain from teaching traffic safety for fear that their child will be afraid to cross the street. So, two should we address the subject of body 
safety, okay? And to body safety. And it's important to address it. We wouldn't want the child not to know. And then this person comes and grooms them into believing that it's appropriate behavior and that it's okay when it really is not. All right, so we go to number six. It says here, I would know if something happened to my child. Hmm. It says here, actually, child sexual abuse is difficult to detect because frequently there are no physical signs of abuse. The emotional and behavioral signs that may accompany sexual abuse can be caused by a variety of triggers. Only because the child's not talking about it and acting like everything's fine. That might just be a way of protecting themselves or being scared to tell if the child's being threatened or doesn't want to get the person upset if the family loves the person or doesn't want to get the parents upset or doesn't want to disappoint the parents. Make make they make you the abuser may make you feel like it's your fault. You participated in it. If this is our secret now. You're a part of this. Okay. And number eight, we never leave our children alone with adults. Okay. It says here, actually, children can be sexually abused by other children. The very same lesson that can help prevent children from being sexually abused by adults can keep them safe from from other children. Teach children what touch is appropriate and what is inappropriate. Teach them the proper terminology for their private parts and teach them who they can talk who they can talk to if anyone t- touches them in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable. All right, so let's go to number nine. I don't want to put that thought in her head. You know, I thought like that at one point. I said, oh, my God, I want my child, I don't want my children to go through what I went through. I want them to be innocent and enjoy their childhood. I don't want to put those thoughts in their head. That's a common thought, but because of the world we live in, no. It says here, actually, there is no data to indicate that a child has been taught about child sexual abuse prevention is more likely to fabricate that they have been sexually abused. According to Victor V, director of the National Child Protection Training Centers at Winona State University, children do lie but seldom about being abused. All human beings can and do lie, but it's hard for kids to do to do it about sex. They can't lie about something they have no knowledge of, he said, and children don't learn about oral sex on Sesame Street. So basically, you're not putting anything in their head. You're helping them to maneuver through the process of if somebody exposed them to that type of behavior and that type of abuse, very traumatic. So just talk about it. Okay, I have number 10, and it says here, it's not going to happen to my child. Some people may say that, right? So here it says, actually, as the, as the statistics reveal, Child sexual abuse is so pervasive 
that it could happen to any child. This reason is the catch-all. Educated, loving parents have actually said this to me. If one were to ask any parent whose child has been sexually abused, if they thought their child would ever be sexually abused, I can guarantee each one would say no. No one wants to believe this could happen to their child. We need to stop denying can happen and recognize that there are ways to prevent it from happening. Make the decision to talk to your child about sexual abuse prevention. It could be their it can be the greatest gift you ever gave them. Okay. So um talking about it is there's nothing wrong with talking about it. It's important to talk about it. The more we talk about it, the more we're able to empower ourselves, each other, and our children, our community, really as a whole. Okay. So if you see something, say something, definitely stand. But also, let's educate ourselves and let's educate our children. And that's what we're doing tonight. Tonight we're educating ourselves on how to have these very uncomfortable conversations and that it's okay to have these conversations. It's, it's, it's fine. Don't be scared. And they actually even taught us a way that uh, we can – create uh, a safe space for them to talk. I think that that's really important, you know, creating a safe space where they can feel comfortable talking. Okay. So now here we have, um, what is sexual child abuse? Child molestation usually begins with a sex offender gaining a child's trust and friendship. The offender then begins testing the child's ability to protect him, engaging in horseplay, back rubs, kissing, or sexual games. So that's really the part of the grooming that that goes on where they test their limits. They see if you're going to say something or if you're going to put your foot down. They just test your limits and they push the limits. They don't just test the limits. They push the limits. And uh, that's horrible. It's a horrible thing to go through, but this is definitely needed. This conversation is definitely needed so that we can just be aware that it happens. If the child appears comfortable or curious about this type of behavior, and most healthy, normal children are, the offender will show increased in the amount and type of touching, to include more direct sexual touching. Wow. Child sexual abuse can include exposing, bundling, masturbating, oral sex, intercourse, and pornography. Horrible. But, yeah, they do do all those things. They can do all those things, and that is child abuse. Okay. All right. So here, research has demonstrated that most of our school-based children, most of our school-based child abuse prevention programs do not prevent children from being abused and have little impact on reporting. The reason for the lack of impact on abuse 
is that children are not in a good position to protect themselves from adults, especially if the adult offender is a parent or caretaker. Given the way child molesters operate, it is imperative that adults, not children, become educated about child abuse, supervise their children more closely, and take action if they suspect someone of being uh, of abusing their children, okay, or their child. So uh, right here it just says parents, schools, churches, and community groups must also work together to develop prevention programs that incorporate parent training into prevention programs and encourage reporting, okay? So those things are important to incorporate. So parents, schools, and churches, and community groups must also to develop prevention programs. How are we preventing abuse to happen to our children or to ourselves or to our community? What standards or what rules are set in place so that we protect ourselves and our children uh, or just our, the children in our community? I think it's important to have open dialogue about what are we doing uh, to develop a plan that's going to really focus on the prevention aspect of things. What type of program are we adding? Um, and, you know, the parent training uh, for, to be able to encourage prevention and reporting. I think that we all need to be accountable, and it takes, it truly does take a village. The information in this article was compiled and written by several sex offenders in treatment with the Center for Behavioral and Good uh, Reads. This was a good topic, and it was good information. And it was written by a child abuser, well, a group of child abusers. How does that make you feel? If anybody would like to make a comment. Well, we have to remember not everybody has to um, You all, you know, can really just imagine that if a person has experience in doing something, they probably can help to teach prevention in some way. So I'm glad that uh, they were interviewed and these uh, resources and this information uh, was being able to be recorded so that we can have access to share the importance of protecting our children and ways that we can protect them. Who are child molesters? Okay, so wow, this one's going to be good. Um, so I'll skip that one. Who is a typical child molester? I'll come down here. Um, so this is, again, written by a lot of these child molesters. And it says, uh, okay, who is a typical child molester? And it says here, I am pro- probably well-known by you and your child. Another one says, I can be a man or a woman, married or single. So, Another one says, I can be a child, adolescent, or adult. Another one says, I can be of any race, hold any religious beliefs, and have any sexual preference. Another one says, I can be a parent, a step-parent, 
a relative, mm-hmm. family, friend, teacher, clergyman, babysitter, or anyone who comes in contact with children. Wow. The next one says, I am likely to be a, where am I at? I'm likely to be a stable, employed, respected member of the community. And another one says, my education and my intelligence don't prevent me from molesting your child. Wow. You know, that's scary when you, when you think about it, because that sounds like a lot of people I know. Um, how do child molesters gain access to your child? Okay, somebody says, I pay close attention to your child and make him feel special. And somebody else says, I present the appearance of being someone you and your family can trust and rely on. The next one says, I get to know your child. I get to know your child likes and dislikes very well. Another one says, I go out of my way to buy gifts or treats your child will like. And the next one says, I isolate your child by involving him in fun activities so we can come together alone. Wow. Another Another one says, if you are a single parent, I may prey on your fears about your child lacking a father figure or a stable home life. Wow. Okay. Now, the next one. If my career involves working with children, I may also choose to spend my free time helping children or taking them on special outings by myself. Wow. Another one says, I take advantage of your child's natural curiosity about sex by telling them dirty jokes, showing her pornography, and by playing sexual games. Another one said, I will probably know more about what kids like than you do, music, clothing, video games, and the language that they use. And I'm almost done. Right here it says, I may comment. I make, I make comments like anyone who molests a child should be shot or sexually abusing a child is the sickest thing anyone can do. And that's so true. A lot of times these abusers will talk so bad about abusers and make these comments about abusers. All along, they're the abusers. Uh, seriously. And then somebody says, uh, if I am a parent, it is even easier for me to isolate control and molest my own children. I can sexually abuse my children without my wife ever suspecting a thing. I gradually block the communication between my children and their mother and make it look like it make it look like I'm the good guy. And then the last one says, um, I may touch your child in your presence so that she thinks you're comfortable with the way I touch her. Wow, very, 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 very manipulative. Wow. The next one is actually good information as well. All right, we do have time, so I might as well. All right, so right here it says, why don't child molesters always get caught? <clears throat> Which is true. Like I, like I said earlier, you know, the guy, the group, why, um, 
what is it? Is it B2K? Um, you know, they they were young. They started in the industry very, very young. They were promised a lot of things. Some monies didn't come through at all, and they put in a lot of work. They were in movies and shows all the time. And now when you watch, like, um, when you watch, what can I think about it? But when you watch some of these people who had deals, um, you know, with, like, uh, Dr. Dre, for example, if you watch his movie when he talks about how, how he got played out of money all the time. Ice Cube talks about it. He had a movie where he talked about how he got played out of money. Because when you're younger, you don't know how to read these contracts. And so some people will manipulate you, and they'll make you feel like they're on your side. You're like, oh, okay, I have to trust you. Then they're very charming. Some people, they're very manipulative. They're very charming. And all along, they're plotting your demise. You're like, wow. Okay. So why don't child molesters always get caught? And it says here, I convince your child that he is responsible for my behavior. Uh, I make your child think no one will believe him or her if they tell on me. I tell your child that you will be disappointed in him for what he has done with me. I warn your child that she will be the one who will be punished if she wow. I may threaten your child with physical violence against her, you, a pet, or another loved one. Uh-huh, I've heard that. Uh, I may have gotten the child to feel sorry for me or even the, oh, I'm sorry, and even believe that she is the one who who understands me. Wow. Okay. Uh, if I'm a parent or live in a home with children, my behavior may look accidental. I may accidentally expose myself or accidentally walk in on, on the children while they are using the bathroom or changing their clothes. This is horrible. But, hey, this is written by, hey, they know what they're talking about. If I'm a father... My behavior might look normal to other people. I may use situations like tucking the kids in at night to touch them sexually. I may have told my children that this is what all fathers do with their children so they don't know to tell. And then I may be so close at masturbating, oh, manipulating, oops. Sorry, that just looked bad. I was like, what? I may be so good at manipulating children that they may try to protect me because they love me. Wow. Uh, But they did say earlier that the person would be playing with themselves, masturbating in front of the children. That's also a sign of sexual abuse. So whether they're exposing them to porn or dirty pictures or dirty jokes or touching them or, you know, those are all signs of sexual abuse, okay? So for prevention, let's talk a little bit about prevention because really that's uh, where resources come in handy. It's really the purpose of of resources is for the purpose of having, uh, you know, the prevention so that we don't even have to go through this and, and do the cleanup work of, of dealing with, 
now helping the child get over this severe level of trauma because this is very traumatic, okay? All right, so here we go. Prevention. Don't expect your child to be able to protect him or herself from me or assume that he will be able to tell you that I'm abused. Prevention. Um, Communication. Listen. Believe and trust what your child tells you. Children rarely lie about sexual abuse. Education. Teach your child healthy values about sexuality. If you don't teach your child, I will. Wow. Okay. This is from the mouth of the abusers, okay? Uh, Watch for any symptoms of sexual abuse your child might demonstrate. And then an excellent guide for teaching children about sexual abuse is a very touching book by Jan Inman. 14, and it's called No, It's Not Enough by Karen Adams, uh, okay, uh, Jennifer Fay and Jan Lorreen Martin, for adults by adults. This is for adults by Silence Betrayed by John Crudson. Okay, so this is called For Adults. Okay, so no, I'm sorry. The title is kind of written a little different but it's going the words are real kind of going in together so this book is for adults okay uh and it's called silence betrayed okay and it's by john crudson thank you i had to slow it down a little bit all right this this part here says give your child specific information about where on her body she should not be touched or touch others okay so give them specific information where they can or can't be touching people or does should I allow anybody to touch them there? All right. Let her know that people who touch children, children's private parts need help because they have a problem with touching. Then over here it says, remind your child that secret touching is never the child's fault. Talk to your child about the way someone might try to trick him into going along with the secret touching or not telling you that it is happening to him. And then here it says, make sure your child knows that you want to that you want him to tell you immediately if something should happen and that despite what anyone else may tell may tell him, he will not be in trouble. I think, you know, it's important to tell your child that they're not in trouble because the abusers are very manipulative, and, and they do sometimes have a way of making the child believe that it's their fault. And if they tell, they're also going to get in trouble because they participated. That's what we were talking about earlier. You know, sometimes the child will feel guilty because now he's or she's participating in the sneaky behavior. Uh, meet me downstairs. Oh, okay. What? They might feel they might feel guilty. They might feel like they the person has something over them. So it's it's just a a, a really hard and difficult situation to um, to deal with. But you just have to let them know that they're not going to get in trouble. They didn't do anything wrong. Okay. So another one, uh, get to know your child's friends and the homes in which your child. Weary of older children or adults who want to spend a lot of time alone with your child. You know, earlier 
um, I, you know, when I was reading, again, you know, sometimes people think like, oh, they are only around other kids or they're only with family or that. That's okay. You still want to get to know the family. You still want to get to know the, the kid's family. I mean, you're never too safe, all right? Here it says, trust your intuition. If you feel something is not right in your child's relationship, act on it, okay? So basically, don't wait till it's too late. You feel like something's not right, act on it, Okay? Learn about the prevention program that your school uses and discusses. Learn about the prevention program that your school uses and discuss it with your children. Have safety talks with your children several times a year. Add information about the risk of enforcing, I'm sorry, the risk of encountering sexually explicit materials and adult offenders in the community and on the Internet. Then we have almost one quarter of children are exposed to unwanted pornography via the Internet. Use the ISP that offers screening for obscenity and pornography. Okay. So basically there are blockers, okay, in English. There are blockers. You have the control as the parent or as the adult. Uh, Let's say you're going to have your nieces, your nephews, your cousins come over, younger children. You can set it up with your internet company where they can walk you through how uh, how to create parental controls for your devices so that these children don't end up having access to it, even on their own phones in your home. You really can't put a block on that type of um, that type of content. You do have power. You do have control. So you know, do the best you can and uh, try your best to keep the children around you safe. Okay. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the indications that a child is being molested because I think it's important to to know what signs to look for. I think it's really important to know what signs, you know. So if you notice something because now you're more aware, you might be able to pick it up. Whereas when you don't have awareness, things could happen all around you and you won't know that it's a problem because you don't know, right? You don't know what you don't know. It's not your fault. If you don't know, you just don't know. But we do have um, the – we have the power to – educate ourselves, and I think we owe it to ourselves and as survivors, and we owe it to our children or we owe it to our community to protect and and hopefully prevent this type of abuse from happening over and over and over again. We can be a part of um, stopping the the cycle of abuse. I'm going to share a couple of indications that can let you know, like, hey, this is child might be in need of some support, might need some help to um, to stay safe, okay? So uh, one point here is behavioral symptoms can include a change in modesty, ranging from becoming overly concerned about their bodies to engaging in inappropriate sexual behavior. 
yourself. You might notice that the child's being sexual, touching other other friends, other students, exposing them to different sexual acts. And guess what? Maybe that child was touched. Maybe somebody taught that to that child. That's a strong possibility that that could have happened. Or they could have seen it on the TV too, okay? But that's, that, that's a red flag for you to want to know where they got that, that uh, behavior from and have a conversation, okay? Uh, physical symptoms can include genital pain, itching, discharge, or hand bleeding. Okay, so if you're around a child and the child's telling you that they have pain down there, that's a, that's a sign. Okay, that's a, that's a big red flag. Uh, discharge, uh, itching, pain, or bleeding. Okay. Children can also develop stomach aches, headaches, and a variety of other physical complaints. So, okay. Other, chance, other changes can include sleep disturbances, bedwetting, unexplained fears or refusal to go to certain places or be with certain people, school problems, difficulties with peers, excessive crying or depression, clinkiness, aggressiveness, or secretiveness are also common. So if you notice these things, check into it. Don't just be like, hey, it's just my child. They're just tripping. No. Guess what? You're becoming more educated. You're becoming more aware so that if you see something, you can look into it further, okay, and say something, all right? So um, children who are being abused sometimes try to deal with their problems by engaging in escape behavior. This may involve running away, drug or alcohol use, daydreaming, or becoming more isolated. And that is so true. Yes, it is. All right. Some children may not demonstrate any type of negative symptoms. Some offenders are able to groom children for abuse in a manner that makes the child feel comfortable, close, and even protective of the offender. Now, we talked about that. The child may start to feel like this is normal behavior or, uh-oh, I'm, I'm engaging in it, so I must be a part of this, and they, they have a secret. And now what? They, they share this secret with this predator, this abuser, and it creates a bond, an abuse bond, cycle of abuse, and... Now they feel like they owe so much respect to this offender, molester. All right. So remember, if your child demonstrates any abrupt changes in behavior, he may have something he needs to talk about. Repeated inquiries and supportive information may be necessary. If a child molester has begun isolating and manipulating your child, he may feel very confused about telling. The child may believe that if he tells, he will be the one in trouble or that he will lose his friend or parent. Well, and, and that's really hard, you know, that, that dealing with loss and 
you know, it's my fault and da da da. But then you love the person because normally abusers they're they're the most they're the they're so fun they're so they just you know so nice and um, that's just part of the grooming where they're so kind they do everything for you they're so nice and then you feel guilty because you care about the person you have you know you feel like you owe them that because they were nice to you, they probably know that you didn't have any friends. And, um, yeah, abusive people, molesters, they're very, very manipulative, okay? All right, so we're almost done. We're about to wrap up in a minute, but uh, let me see. So there's another program called Plan to Protect, Plan to Protect, and the logo has two two yellow hands with a with uh, hearts in the middle of the hands of the palms, and it's it's really cute. Uh, and what it looks like they do plan to protect. Uh, it is uh, for organizations. The standard of abuse prevention and abuse. Uh, the standard of abuse prevention and child youth protection for organizations. So plan to protect providers. At the highest standard of abuse prevention and protection to organizations serving the vulnerable sector, a great way of helping you identify where your organization currently stands against the standard of protection we recommend. Okay, so this is uh, here are some of the free resources we have. They have uh, a call to action for churches. You could click on that link. They have facts. They have a blog. They have a free webinar plan. What is this? We offer on Plan to Protect 101, and then free assessment tool for organizations. And then they have a referral form, and then they have resources and services. Okay. So that website for Plan to Protect is www.plan, P L A N 2 P O P R O com, plan to protect.com okay and they have a lot of resources so I think it's worth uh, checking them out so right next to uh, next to that have intervention is an adult activity okay recognizing child abuse and trauma isn't always easy but it's an adult responsibility kids do not self-report okay Many times there are a few obvious physical marks on a child. So the first step is to learn what to be aware of. The most typical things to watch for are changes in behavior, attitudes, and performance. And these can be a little different for a very young child and those who are slightly older. Well, you know, next adults need to learn how to talk to children in a non-threatening way. Again, there are slightly different techniques for every young child. For those who are a bit older and for teens, try not to overreact or express anger to what you're learning while you talk to, to, the, to a child. And that's so true. Um, <clears throat> that's so true. Um, if a child comes to you and is seeking to uh, get some help from you, 
by sharing with you. <clears throat> Sorry. My throat got dry. Maybe I was doing too much talking, y'all. Child, decide to, you know, come to you, open up, and share. <clears throat> They're obviously finding you to be a safe person. When this happens, we have to be mindful of our facial expression. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've seen that before where you're telling somebody something very personal and then they make their face up. <clears throat> that makes you want to shut down. Like, I don't even know why I told you that. I don't even know why I told you that. So let's practice being safe, safe adults so that a child or an adult comes to us for help that we're able to give them the right help, um, okay? Some of the signs that indicate a child being abused, and we're about to literally wrap up. we got three minutes. Again, sleep de- deprivation, uh, sleep disturbances, bedwetting, uh, okay, uh, running away, substance abuse, uh, criminal activity, depression, social withdrawal, problems relating to peers, sudden change in behavior, anger issues, difficulties in school, cruelty to animals, fire setting. A lot of times when you look at some of these psychopaths, sociopaths, they do those they do some of these things. They they kill animals and they hurt animals and they uh, set fires. Those were really, really, really high on the list. Difficulty in school, sudden changes in behavior, inappropriate interest. Uh, for the age and things sexual, um, you know, regressive behavior, self-destructive or risk-taking behavior, impulsivity, difficulty concentrating. Um, and, again, not all of these things are, but these are signs that you would want to talk to your doctor. Now, next time we'll go uh, deeper into, like, more signs, and there's just so much. We, an hour, well, two hours wouldn't be enough to cover everything, but we are at that mark, uh, two-minute mark. So, again, I just want to say we are on scan number 3363. I'm your host tonight, Dr. Nancy. It was a pleasure being with you all tonight and serving our community with resources for prevention, intervention, and recovery. Our guest number is 646-595-2118. And I hope that you all can join us next week. I will be on on Wednesday and would definitely love to um, to hear from you all and to go over um, some more resources. And we're open, you know, always open to topics. We don't have to stick to the topic that I'm talking about. Um, you know, I'll start off with the topic, but we all, for you, we're here to support you and we're here to make sure that Uh, Your voice is also being heard. So thank you again for joining us. Remember, you're on Stop Child Abuse Now on NASCA. If you see something, say something. Together we can help prevent suicide and stop child abuse. Good night. Good night. Good night.